Welcome, welcome to the Simon Dan podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. It's the place where science and conspiracy collide. This is episode fourteen. Uh, bit of bad news: Cats can't make it today. He's, he's got some prior uh, prior engagements, so he's not going to make it. Uh, but that's okay. We'll get on. We always get on right without him, don't we? Um, we were going to chat about some flat earth news, but that's fine. We'll leave that. Uh, just a quick reminder to everyone before we start and bring on today's guest, uh, check out the Simon Dan podcast channel as well. Uh, we op- often upload clips there and, and the full podcast goes up there on a Monday as well. So check that out. Uh, but let's bring on today's guest. Today's guest is the creator of Universe Today website, co-host of Astronomy Cast and the bringer of space news. It's Fraser Kane. Welcome and thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Dan. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, so how you been up busy lately? Up to, up to you're always busy, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'm always busy, but yeah, absolutely. Last week was just madness. It Are was you crazy. Kidding? I mean, yeah. what a week. We'll, we'll get into uh, that. And I guess. I mean, for people who are are not sure what time is, uh, it was the week of the Perseverance landing on Mars, and it so was. we were, yeah, we were all over that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that in a bit, but yeah, it was, it was. I mean, I was hooked. I was hooked for for hours. Um, but let, let's talk about Universe Today, because that's been going some time, hasn't it? Um, what 22 years. Yeah, I, I saw that. But can you tell us a bit about how and why you created it? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I, I've always been into space. I mean, I bought a telescope when I was a kid. I organized star parties for the community that I grew up in. Uh, I watched the space shuttle the first space shuttle launch in 1981 with my father. I went and saw meteor showers. So my space cred is strong, but I sort of moved out of that and went into computer science for my education. I went into software, web design, et cetera. And so I was working in Vancouver, Canada on a bunch of like big bank websites working for uh, electricity companies and things like that. And I had a lot of crazy ideas about how websites should work. And I was kept pitching all of these ideas to my customers and they didn't really feel like I knew what I was talking about because I kind of didn't. And so I said, well, I'm just going to pick one of my hobbies at random that I really love and I'm going to develop a website on the side. And then that's just what I'm going to do. Nice. And I sort of was looking through all my current hobbies, video games, mountain biking, et cetera. But the thing that had always been with me is space. And I wanted to learn more. And I happened to be reading Pale Blue Dot by Carl Sagan and The Case for Mars by Robert Zubrin. And those two books sort of really kind of collided in my mind about humanity's future and the role of astronomy and just the power of thinking about the cosmos. And I'm like, I just, I want to know more about astronomy. And I also want to practice these crazy ideas that I have. So I just developed the universe today on the side. And this was 1999. And then it just turned into my life. Yeah. Within a couple of months, I knew that this is all I was going to do for the rest of my life. And now it was just a matter of figuring out a way to extract myself from the corporate job and get into the proper science, journalism, explaining, sharing the wonder of the universe job. Well, you're very good at explaining. Your, your videos are very digestible. Um, when did the YouTube thing come along? It was quite a bit later, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I think we started doing YouTube 2012, 2013, okay. I think. And this is after we had been doing podcasts with Astronomy Cast yeah. since 2000 and I'm going to say five, seven, seven, 2007. And then of course I, so, so when you sort of, if you follow the chronology backwards, right, the first thing that I did was I learned how to write 
with Universe Today. And then 10 years in, I learned how to podcast with Astronomy Cast with Dr. Pamela Gay. And then, say, six years after that, I tried to figure out how to do video. And so each one was this very incremental, very important step forward in sort of mastering all the different kinds of media. And, and now at this point, I'm sort of like a, a weak player in all three realms. <laughs> it's a steep learning curve though, isn't it? When you, when you first get into it, I, I've, I found that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, it was interesting. I and mean, we went, we went at it on the video side anyway, in a very, uh, it was a, it was a very intentional way where we made a video and then we came up with one improvement that we wanted to make. And then we made another video and then we came up with one improvement that we tried and we ditched the stuff that didn't work very well. And we kept the stuff that worked very well and we streamlined. And I think at this point, whatever, I'm 450 episodes into the guide to space, thousand plus live streams and QAs and things like that. And still, sorting out what matters what doesn't matter just bought a new camera that i'm about to unleash on people so it's it's still this iterative process yeah absolutely uh talking to the q a's actually one of the first times that i realized i had some sort of influence was the time that you contacted me asking to respond to a question for a q a video and you're bigger than me come on oh, you're, no. you're no, 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 i'm no, no. Uh, i'm riding your uh, coattails today <laughs> i genuinely wasn't expecting it honestly and it was also the first time that i learned of dr becky because she was on the same episode as me yeah. of that qa and we and she's been on the podcast and uh, fantastic um but on those q a's do you ever get anything that stumps you like genuinely at this point i don't get anything that stumps me in that in that I don't, that I haven't heard it before. I haven't heard the question, some version, some flavor yeah. of the question before. It's very rare. And in fact, it, it's the ones that are the, a very nuanced take on something that I've heard many times before is the ones that I gravitate towards because I'm, I'm always running this virtual simulation of every question I've ever answered in whatever 250 QAs in various forms across everything that we've done. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, uh, I imagine that everyone has listened to every single one of them. And so like, oh, come on, you know, we answered how the sun works 150 episodes ago. So I don't need to go into that, but how does this other thing? So, so, but I mean, at the same time, I'm not an astrophysicist. I'm not an astronomer. I am a science journalist. And so, and so I am a really fancy parrot who can synthesize what I've learned from talking to thousands of astronauts, astronomers, other people who are actually doing the work yeah yeah and I'm, the only I'm, reason i'm able to speak somewhat intelligently is because i've done it a lot and every time i make a mistake i get my wrist slapped and and now i just try to make as few mistakes as possible yeah i could definitely relate to that i'm very much like that i'm not i have no uh higher level of education in terms of the things that i talk about but i'm very much like i read a lot uh i can i can remember stuff and i try and cut out mistakes it's very similar and it's quite funny what you say about like where you said people obviously heard about the, how the sun has worked before i get a little bit like that with flat earth arguments so yeah i've done one so how can i spruce this argument up a bit and change it a little bit and and it's really getting to the point now where uh I, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm struggling I, I don't know how you i don't know how you keep going well I mean, they keep appearing so I, maybe, maybe so yeah but I, but like for me like like even talking about things like the fermi paradox and yeah. and and extraterrestrial life and 
Dyson spheres and fairly speculative concepts like that is very boring to me now. Um, and yet, if you go back and you listen to early episodes of Astronomy Cast, I'm just like coming at it with just wonder. I'm like, what? Yeah. These things are ideas that are possible. Could we do this? And Pamela, as as the sort of, she's the more senior person in this process. She's, yeah. you can hear her. She's already gone through this phase as well. And so I think for, for both of us, it's this, it's this journey that we're taking people on that they show up at the door filled with this wide eyed enthusiasm for, for a future 10,000 years from now where we're skipping across the cosmos in our warp drives, or in your case, like just baffled that people don't believe that the earth is a sphere. And, and we, we guide them through that process, but we also take them to a place of, of true wonder where we're right at the cutting edge. Like what are the discoveries that were made today about the map of 25,000 black holes or the a more accurate weight of Cygnus X1, which was the heaviest black hole or the first black hole ever discovered and so on and so forth. Yeah. That, that, that is, that will never run out of interesting insights and wonder, but you have to, you have to sort of take a person and go, okay, okay, but yeah, we get it. Yeah. No, the idea that there could be incredible civilizations out there is, is wonderful but there's so little data, but let me show you all of these other things that are, that are just as amazing and they are changing every day and you can be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I often do that. I often, I often, uh, I'll, I'll debunk a point and then I'll expand on it and talk about different things, which are of interest to me, but, um, yeah. 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 I mean, just like, like when you think about the GPS system that yeah. has to account for, uh, Einstein's theory of relativity to be able to, to work, to give you the kind of accuracy that you do that that these satellites as they dip in and out and around in the earth's gravitational well are having to account for both the velocity and the amount of gravity they're experiencing to stay accurate i mean it's not just like yeah the earth is a sphere but no 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 like that that this is how good satellites are and this is how it works yeah, yeah. i i 100 agree with that well they're not very bloody good when i turn my watch on to go for a run <laughs> it takes a bit, so. they, they have to go to space come on <laughs> yeah okay i'll let them off I'll let them off your watch is talking um, to space yeah i know i know um uh, a survey in 2019 amongst americans placed sending astronauts to the moon and mars as lower priority than studying climate and monitoring asteroids does that surprise you that result no it sounds like people I are being would- very sensible I would agree. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, obviously there's no Americans in the show right now. So, you know, no, it's no, just, no. it's just us. No, but God th- save the queen. But but unbelievably 35% of my, of my viewers are American. Yeah. I can't is, figure it out. Similar. Yeah. No, they just haven't come to appreciate the queen. Long may she reign. Yes. Um, <laughs> but the, I know that doesn't surprise me. And I think that's a, that's a proper placement of, of priorities that I think the more we learn about the universe, the more we learn about the horrible, horrible places that are out there waiting for us to explore, the more we have to come to appreciate how wonderful our own planet is that, Mm. that we just like, what were the chances we happen to end up on the best place in the universe? Yeah. Of course, obviously it's because we evolved here and lockstep (laughs) with the environment that we find ourselves in, but still, yeah, I think the, the priority absolutely has to be 
understanding our world. Now, the good news is that you can do both at the same time, that yeah. that you launch a satellite, you learn to launch satellites. And what those satellites do is they help us map the earth to the nth degree. They detect methane emissions coming out of pipes out in the middle of the Louisiana swamp that, that by when you send people to space, the money gets spent here on earth in improving our scientific understanding of the world around us. So it's a twofer. Yeah. What did surprise me about that survey actually was that 33% of people thought that it wasn't essential that NASA were involved. Hmm. That did surprise me a bit. I mean, I think that, you know, if I was in charge of NASA, uh, which can never happen, um, you know, Canadian Space Agency, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, but I think everyone's ready for that one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what the world what the world needs more is more arms, more robotic arms. <laughs> that that the role that NASA plays is that NASA is out at the bleeding edge, taking really complicated technologies with an uncertain outcome that we don't know if these things are going to work. Ion engines, solar sails, yeah. nuclear propulsion systems, space radiation hardening, refueling in space, all of the all of the things that no private company would ever want to touch with a 10-foot pole. And then removes risk and uncertainty to the point that other people can pick these things up and start to work on them. And so I, I don't have any, like any sort of need for it to be NASA astronauts or, or government astronauts or, or that it to be a state run thing that puts human beings on another world. I think that, that we need to maintain what's been defined in the outer space treaty in terms of like, you can't own it, et cetera. Yeah. But, but I do think that NASA needs to get out of the building rockets business a lot sooner than they have. Okay. I think that, that the delays with the space launch system compared to the rapid advance that's happened, even with just like the, the core SpaceX Falcon yeah. and Falcon Heavy just demonstrates that, that that uncertainty, NASA's job in removing uncertainty and risk in rocket flight has been solved just in the same way that they buy their trucks from some car company uh, and where they need to go is, is solving uncertainty. I just want to give you one example, which is like on the Starlink satellites, they have a Krypton ion engine that helps them maintain their altitude. Okay. NASA developed the ion engine like 40 years ago. Yeah. And then they, they kept trying to figure out a way to do it. It wasn't finally till a spacecraft called deep space one that they finally implemented an ion engine in space. And it was, it was a revolutionary way to fly around the solar system. They then implemented them in tons of other spacecraft, the, all the Japanese ones, the Hayabusa's, the, um, the Dawn mission, which was able to visit two separate asteroids. They use this ion engine technology, and now there's various versions that scale up, and now you're seeing it in a commercial operation. You can go to the store, the ion engine store, and you can buy an ion engine. That is NASA doing its job. It develops yeah. a revolutionary propulsion system, removes the risk to the point that a commercial provider can use it, and then and then gets out of the way and goes and solves some other thorny complicated possibly unsolvable problem because nobody else will yeah um it's funny you mentioned at the start about the space shuttle. you said you watched the first space shuttle launch um and i grew up loving the space shuttle it's it just like the perfect age for me 
and uh, Amy Sheratot, you know Amy, Amy Sheratot, yeah. she came on and, and basically ripped my childhood apart and said that the space shuttles were rubbish, basically. Yeah, yeah. She's not wrong. <laughs> no. She's I've not come wrong. to realise. is the I've most beautiful, well-engineered, high-performance piece of human ingenuity that should have never been built. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I've definitely come to realise. But like, a childhood, it was just like, oh, space shuttles, amazing. It's yeah. like, but ruined yeah, it for no, me. It's, no, it, it, I mean, it's it, as we saw, it's horribly dangerous. Yes. It was, yeah, yeah. It, it, it had all kinds of problems. It was, it was trying to fulfill way too many masters and it wasn't sure. able to do any yeah. of them really well. So no, it was a, it was the, it was terrible. And yet, I mean, just like the people who did the job, the, like the RS 25 engine, I, I always go on about this, the engines that, that, you know, the, the three big main shuttle engines on the back of the orbiter yeah. are, are easily the most beautiful rocket engines ever made. They're like the, one of the highest performance rockets ever built by humanity. And they've kept those engines, the RS-25s. They're going on the space launch system. There's going to have four of them. Okay. But unlike the space shuttle, which brought them safely back to Earth for refurbishing, they're going to be ditching these things four at a time into the ocean to be destroyed. It's heartbreaking. What a so. waste. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one thing they do do well is uh, last week. So I, like many others, sat with bated breath uh, for the Perseverance rover to land on Mars. Uh, I was hooked if this is a success, could we finally find some evidence for some sort of life on Mars? Yeah, I mean, the search for life on Mars has been has been a difficult one. And I think our experience with the, the discovery or the, the search for life on Mars so far should inform you about how this is going to work into the future, yeah. which is that the evidence is going to be inconclusive. When the Viking landers landed back in 1978, right? They were two of them were equipped separately. So you've got redundancy with an experiment and they, they scooped up a little bit of soil and they put it into a, into a little container and they fed it liquid and nutrients and they, off-gassed in a way that made the researchers think there was life going on inside that bacteria. And then other scientists said, no, 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 that's, yeah. that's a natural thing that you would expect. And yet they, you know, they repeated the experiment, you know, by having two spacecraft, like really good science being done. And then you think about the Allen Hills meteorite that landed here on earth, where there was, there was a magnetite, crystals inside that were that could only have been created by life and yet other people think there were perfectly natural processes we saw the phosphine on venus mm. so i think that when we have evidence of something on mars that's really interesting it's still not going to be conclusive like unless it's a skeleton yeah <laughs> someone say yeah like unless there's like a someone said if, if there's like a hedgehog shows up and waves to the camera then yeah. that's evidence of life on mars but you're going to get things that are possible life on mars possible past life structures that could be formed by life but we're really not going to get a conclusive answer until there's humans there there's samples sure. being returned yeah. that a case is being made in sort of the same way that that evolution i mean people still argue over evolution i'm oh, sure yeah. the, these <laughs> are the videos you deal with yeah. and 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 there could not be a more ironclad system of facts that we know of and yet people argue about it. And so you will see the same thing. It's just, it's a case that gets made bit by bit, piece by piece over long periods of time. And there, and 
And if you extend that idea to think about what's it going to be like to tr try to know conclusively that there's life out in the universe, I mean, we are around the corner from having the kinds of technology that will allow us to say, say sniff the atmosphere of a yeah. world that is a hundred light years away to see if there's air pollution or excess amounts of oxygen, et cetera. But it's going to be inconclusive. Like look how people argued about phosphine on Venus. Yeah. That's going to be the argument a thousand times over forever. And so I think we're going to live in this gray area. Is there life on Mars? Maybe. We don't know. We're not yeah. sure for a long, long time. We're not going to get this overnight answer. Yeah. How do you stand on the, on that, uh, on the life on Mars versus potential life on the Galilean moons? Cause there, there is a great potential there, isn't there? In the, in the sub yeah 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 so I mean the right so the Galilean moons and and Enceladus at Saturn are like the perfect places for life you've yeah. got we know that these these ice moons have large amounts of liquid water under this shell of ice that that the the gases that have been emanating from the geysers on these on Enceladus for example we know that there's hydrogen mixed in with the water there on on Enceladus. And so that tells us that there is, there's, there's a source of energy, some kind of volcanism that's going on, that there's liquid water. And of course, everywhere on earth that we find water, like everywhere we find liquid water, we find life yeah. and there's food for life in the, in the form of this, this hydrogen that's in the, that's mixed in with the water. So every piece that you would require to have life is there perfectly matched all together, ready to go. While Mars, the case is a lot, more difficult that you've got, you know, yeah. maybe there's going to be liquid water deep underground, but it's going to have like the amounts of salinity in it mixed in that it actually could be toxic to life. Like, mm. like everywhere we find life on earth, every, sorry, every find where we find water here on earth, we find life except where there's too much salt. Then we don't. And that might be the condition that's there on Mars. So on the one hand, it's very intriguing. And on the other hand, there's a lot of reasons why there might not be very good chances for there being life on Mars. But the, but the whole quest to find life on Mars was started first. Yeah. And, and before people really started to build this compelling case that there could be something really interesting going on at, at Europa and Enceladus. There were just hints as the, as the vast armada of Mars rovers were being developed and engineered and put into rockets. So we're seeing this delay. There's no plans to send a mission to Enceladus, which is probably the most interesting place in the solar system to go right now. Yeah. There is the Europa Clipper, which is going to be heading like 2035 to Europa. So, so we're going to have to wait a while for that case to get built up. So until then, Mars is like our best hope to, to do a quick find of life. Yeah. Do you ever see the videos of the people who, who are inspecting pictures of Mars with the rocks and they're saying that this rock is like a, an old monument or something like that. Yeah. They, they fascinate me, those people, because they, they... I don't know why. It's, it's, I just don't understand. They, they th well, okay. yeah. One guy, honestly, thought... I mean, you, you said about a skeleton. One guy thought there was a skeleton sitting on the surface of Mars. And yeah. these, these are rover pictures. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the wonderful thing about NASA, it's so, so funny. People always say like, oh, you know, like, why does NASA keep all their pictures secret? And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like every single picture that's ever been taken by every NASA spacecraft is freely available on the internet. They dump them out there yep. as fast as you can. And you can literally bathe in millions 
of images from Cassini if you want. You can look at the rings from every single angle and the same thing can go for uh, the images of coming from the, like not just like one camera. Like I think, what is it? Perseverance has is, is got like a dozens oh, of cameras on so board. Much already, Each one yeah. is sending pictures home. Yeah. And so with millions of images being dropped and being made publicly available, anyone can go and look through the images and eventually they're going to see a thing that looks like a thing yeah. that they recognize. Yeah. Like, wait a minute, that's a pair of dice. Wait a minute, that's a <laughs> telephone. And they're just going to see what they, something, something is going to look, you know, that idea of periodelia. Periodelia, right? yeah. Periodelia, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That are, you know, we, we have, brains designed to see things mostly tigers hiding in the forest yeah so we see what we need to see and and that's what's going on and like and so the only way like because we know that if if planetary scientists if if astrobiologists actually were seeing or believe that they were looking at a skeleton they would be freaking oh, out uh, and yeah. it would be and there would be like you saw phosphine on venus you yeah. know potential biosignature on venus it was wall to wall coverage and it ended up being pretty well disputed at this point. If someone said, Oh yeah, we see a fossil on Mars, like it would be gigantic. And so the only way that they can rationalize that is to then layer on top of that, some kind of conspiracy theory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, That's what, what I think what annoys me most is they build a channel and a following by just doing that. Mm-hmm. Like look at pictures and some of them will have 10, 20,000 yeah. followers. It's I'll just, it baffles me. Oh, I mean, it's been like bigger, bigger, bigger. Uh, in the olden days, um, back when we started this, the, it was Planet X. Yeah. Like literally, we've been battling Planet X for 20 years now at this point uh, with Nibiru and all that kind of stuff. And and people would have following, gigantic followings on the internet, on yeah. YouTube later on for, for 2012. Do you remember 2012? Yeah. And we were just like, nope, nope, nope. It's not real. Nope. Nope. And they're like, we're still here. Nope. That's not real. And, and you do get tired of, of sort of dismantling those theories, but it is important to, to maintain that drumbeat and to sort of keep inoculating future generations from falling into these traps because we saw what happened if you follow that line of thinking too far with the q and you know with conspiracy theories and q and on and things yeah. like that like like Absolutely. you let people spew unsubstantiated speculation at you for hours every day and and if you don't have a really good uh, as carl sagan said baloney detector kit then then they're eventually going to crack you and pull you into the maelstrom. So I uh, I think it's, like, I hate it. I hate having to do it. Yeah. Because it's literally like I'm having to talk about unicorns when I want to talk about horses, right? Like, yeah. like, it's just, like, it's not real. Yeah, but, like, like, what kind of ice cream do unicorns like to eat? <laughs> God, they're not real. It doesn't matter, <laughs> right? So... Um, I want to talk about the things that are real, the things that have interesting evidence, but we have to because it clearly pollutes yeah. people's connection to science and and vaccination and all this kind of stuff. That's really important. And so it's it's I'm always really I'm a while you seem to take glee in it, I am always a an unwelcome 
participant. I'm yeah, sort of dragged in begrudgingly yeah. to to sort this out because because I know it's important. I know it's really important. Yeah, I mean you're you're absolutely right, and and uh, and myself and cats as well. We we regularly get messages from people saying, you know, you've helped us, you've pulled us out of the hole, and things like that. So, yeah. Oh, and um, that's the key. Worth like, it. I, that's so great yeah. that you that you've got those those two to show that the work that you're doing is is important. Yeah, it is worth it. Um, right, so this would normally be the point in the show where we have, we've we've come up with a new segment called Cat's Curiosity. So Cat's would normally bring something to us from the world of science uh, that he's interested in over the over the week, last week, and then we would discuss it. But obviously, Cat's isn't here. So next week, keep an eye out for that Cat's Curiosity. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll do a bit of that. Uh, but in terms of what we, as we discuss what Cats and I do, um, have you had much experience with anti-space people? Oh yeah, on your channel, okay. like death threats. Are you kidding? Of really? Course. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously you're a big proponent of of space and and, and space I'm travel. for space. Yeah. Yes. And and we see them all the time. I mean, I mean, flat Earth and space deniers are tied quite to. So you get quite a lot come to the channel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It used to be like the vast majority, especially when I've done things like Apollo missions and how the earth's magnetosphere works and, and that kind of stuff. And I think you like, like I've done stuff that I had no idea that it was going to drive people crazy. Like why does the moon shine? Like I, you know, I talk about why the moon is reflected light from the sun and what the real color, that if you could see the moon regolith, it would look like, like asphalt. Um, And yet for some reason, this was a, some kind of conspiracy theory that I inadvertently stumbled into. I'm like, why are all these people calling me a lizard person conspiracy devil? Yeah, they won't and, like that the moon stuff. Hang- and that I should be hanged. Like yeah. what? Wait, what? I'm just talking about the moon and yeah. sunlight. They, uh, they, they think it happens that, less now. Yeah, yeah. They think that moon, the moon's light is cold uh, because right. they'll, yeah. they'll leave a glass of water in direct moonlight and it'll right. be slightly lower temperature and, yeah, I mean, to their credit, YouTube has done a great job recently of cracking down yes. on the on the on just like promoting conspiracy theories because literally that's what YouTube was doing. Yeah. It wasn't just that they were letting conspiracy theories sit on their channel; that they were they were actively pushing it. Like, oh, so you you like science, huh? You like space, do you? Well, here's some space information that'll really get you going down the rabbit hole for the next three weeks and and. Like, I was so mad for a while there. Um, You know, you kind of deflect it and just don't, and just don't think about it. And you just don't, like, we just, I just, we just banned it. We just like, if you want to come up and have this conversation on my channel, then, then we're not interested. Yeah. But, and it's gotten so much better that we, now we just talk about space. And now that the, now that the people who were just into this, just because of the conspiracy theories are gone. And they've moved on to something, some other fresh target. And now we can just talk about the wonder and yeah. <laughs> amazing universe. Yeah. Um, who, who do you think is responsible then for the, and I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say tens of thousands of people who doubt that space is real or that NASA tens do what who Tens of millions. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. But who, so who, yeah, it's not, who, who do you who think is re- responsible for that? I'm, like, I'm talking pre- pre-youtube probably pre okay because i was going to say youtube yeah before that because yeah, like i mean I, the idea is like that i think there. like i think the current level of wild conspiracy theory rests pretty firmly on social media yeah at this point okay uh, yeah I'll that would be right. my yeah. so so where did it go i mean before you always had cranks 
Mm. You always had people who would stand on the street corner, but the problem was that they had to get their leaflet into your hand. Yeah. And so they always had an uphill battle that I wasn't going to publish their rants on my website. And I get, I get emails every day. Uh, you know, I used to, I used to collect them. Now it, I sort of, I just delete them. <laughs> but I used, you know, I used to be like, here's my plan for a warp drive. I'm just like, giggle. I, I make um, content. I make content from the. the well, I see, the, that's exactly it. That so you, you make content, <laughs> and I just delete it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, um, that's and that's why I think your your role is so important because I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't. I just want to. I just like I want to make sure that we set the record straight. So, so before that, you had you had people had like. It was very much like, like a virus. Like how well could your virus spread to other people? Yeah. How well could you? And so if you, if you got like a super spreader event, like a Fox News documentary about how the moon landings were faked, then you got a, then you got a rise that we then felt the repercussions of for years afterwards until it eventually went away. Um, but, but the rise of social media, the rise of YouTube, the rise of things like that just created a nonstop party. It was just like everybody was, everybody was in a small enclosed space, just brimming with, with the Rona and, uh, <laughs> and just spreading it all over the place. Yeah. So, so I think that in the before social media times, it wasn't bad. It was manageable. Yeah, we could wasn't. deal with it when it started to like a lot of people started to spread stories and stuff on the web, just on, the, just on websites, et cetera. But again, you had to be sort of searching for it. You had to be looking for it. You had to be on a discussion forum and, yeah. and so on. But, but once social media focused its energy on, on keeping people addicted to their platforms, then not only was it being made available, it was being pushed. And that's what changed everything. I've got and a bit of a, th- now, a bit of a theory about it. So there's a, there's a few, you're right. There's a few that have got two, three hundred thousand subscribers. These anti-space conspiracy people, yeah. and uh, as you probably know, YouTube are really big on watch time. So the the it's not views are, are, are kind of up there, but watch time is a big thing because it keeps them on YouTube longer. And these conspiracy people, they normally do two, three, four, five hour long videos, <clears throat> and if they have enough of their followers watch the entirety of that. It's just going to get pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And oh pushed. yeah, and I, you would see plenty of examples where they would you you'd see them manipulating the algorithm yeah. where they were they were doing things like they would have a video and they would just change the date. They would they just have like a six hour video that just had vague stuff in it, pictures of space, pictures of quotes, pictures yeah. from the Bible, etc. And then they would just change the date and they'd go end of the world October twenty fifth. 2020 and then they would and 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 i would the way i would find out was because there was whatever was the new movement people would be like what do you think is going to happen on you know are we going to see the great shift on december yeah. 21st 2020 i'm like no <laughs> nope so so yeah i think that that it is there is some kind of monetization that's happening these people are making a lot of money yeah by manipulating the youtube algorithm and some of them believe it, some of them don't, and they're doing very well for themselves. And so they're incentivized to keep doing it. And YouTube is incentivized to help them while at the same time incentivized to stop them. Yeah. And you see this tension where yeah. YouTube is on the one hand, and I've absolutely seen a drop in, in nonsense 
being shoved into my feed, but you also see it popping up in other places. And so it's just like, it's gotta be just this nonstop battle, you know? And then like on the one hand, YouTube was like, this is making people mad and confused and dumb, but it's also making us a lot of money. So, so that that's going to be this just this constant battle that they're going to be going through. Yeah. Well, Katz and I are, are of the opinion that it's it's probably in the region of seventy eight to eighty percent that don't believe the things they're saying in order to get that monetary. Uh, that sounds value. that sounds int- that sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, um, we, we do think be, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it would just you would have to like you know, back in the 2012 thing where I got a lot of people writing some really nasty stuff. And, you know, that's, again, that's when you get your death threats. And I would love to go back to those people and go, okay, so you said all these things, including what should be done to me. Um, How do you feel about those things? Do you still hold true to those beliefs that you had? Like, oh man, I was just having fun, right? Well, I wasn't having fun. No. Right. We, you know, so maybe you were having fun or, you know, but maybe you're just profiting. Yeah. It's, I mean, and you know, for us, it's, it's, it's an annoyance for a lot of people. It hits them really core. Like for, for other marginalized groups who, who again, receive death threats, rape threats, like it's just, it's terrible. And, and you would think that, that, if it was a really big priority, you could, you could see, you could learn from what's happening in these realms and then apply that to the other realms like anti-vaccination and, 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 and things like that, where, where it lives are being lost. Like literally people are going to die because of anti-science behavior and, and some of, some of these kinds of channels and things like this, like, like how, many people need to die is the question. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, that has to be taken very seriously. And, Absolutely. and I, and I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I just like, I know, like I, like I sincerely believe that, that the social media companies feel, you can see the actions they take, the people that kick off their platform, like they want to make this better. Um, and then at the same time, it runs completely counter to the way they are uh, incentivized. And so yeah. it's really tough. Yeah to, to balance that together. And I, but I, I'm a lot more hopeful. I think that, than I think a lot of people are, because I think for a lot of people that feel like this is that we've been in this forever. We will always be in this. It's never going to end that life will never be better. And I totally disagree. I think this is a solvable problem. It will be solved either societally or technologically. And we will come out the other side where, where, where say the truth is important where science matters yeah. where and it, and, and it's going to happen through people you know through regulation it's going to happen through people being just so angry that they just don't spend any time on these platforms anymore it's going to go with people self-policing and it's going to go with people just learning better so i think we're in a state of disruption that we're going to come out the other side of it yeah. like we always I- do couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think you, you have to think like that, don't you, really? You kind of have to be the optimistic. I feel it already. I feel it. things yeah. are getting better already. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, 
Right, we're soon hoping to have a moon landing denier on the podcast. It's the first time we'll ever have someone on who uh, disagrees with with our our views. I want to get a few questions from experts. So, what do you think? What should a couple of questions I can ask this moon landing denier? So, I guess the I mean the problem is is that the only way to make this conspiracy is to is to expand the conspiracy to everybody. Okay. In other words, like when the Apollo rockets took off, there was everybody standing at the launch site watching the rocket took off. So there was definitely a rocket. Yeah. Um, there was whatever, 500,000 people who worked on it. So they're all part of it. But the enemies of the United States, the Russians, the Soviets at the time, and the Chinese were tracking the the progress of the spacecraft and congratulated them when they landed. So was the Soviet Union, the enemy of the United States, who had every reason to gain from their failure uh, in on it as well, as well as the Chinese, the Chinese who are, you know, definitely in conflict with the United States in terms of space exploration right now, have multiple missions at the moon today. Are they a part of it? They can image the surface of the moon and see the Apollo landing sites. They have dropped. So are they a part of it too? Okay, so great. So you've got the entire Soviet space system, the entire Chinese space system, all part of it. Like, like, and all it took would, would take would just be one person yeah. to provide compelling evidence that, that it, that it actually uh, didn't happen to tear the whole thing apart. So like that's where I w- that's the part that, and they have to say obviously, right? Yeah. And so obviously, the, the only way that logically makes sense is if the Soviets and the Chinese are in on it. And if the Soviets and the Chinese are in on it, then what else are they in on? Then they're all part of a gla- a vast global cartel, you know, vast global conspiracy that that is wide ranging and can do anything. It's magic. Yeah. So that's perfect. I'm gonna I'm gonna mention that uh, it tied in quite nicely with uh, we had a guy called Michael Butter on the podcast. He's like a conspiracy expert. And he referenced a mathematician who uh, figured out that due to the amount of people involved in the Apollo missions, that it would take approximately four years for the secret to come out um, if it was indeed fake. Uh, And obviously, using the mathematics, you could figure out if there's less people involved, it'll take longer and and stuff like this. So I'm going to tie that with what you're saying, and I'll put that to him and we'll see what he says. I mean, right now, we've the lunar reconnaissance orbiter at the moon right now is taking pictures of the landers, the landing sites and can see the footsteps of the moon. Well, you could say that's being faked. Okay, fine. But the Japanese did it too, right? The Japanese had a, had a mission at the moon that took pictures. Um, And the Chinese are in the process of mapping the moon as well. Like the Soviets landed on the moon after the, with a, with a robotic lander. Yeah. Uh, After the, after the, the Apollo missions ended. So like, just like, where, where does this conspiracy end? Who's in it? Who's involved yeah. and who's out? Because you can make the case that literally every country with a satellite dish, I mean, the, the Australians were retransmitting the data back from the Apollo landing. So everybody's involved. Yeah. And except for you. It's a great that, point. That, Absolutely. Great point. I'm gonna, that's going to be up there for, for me. I mean, he's, he's got some images that he wants to show us. Um, yeah. I don't know how that's going to work on the podcast, but uh, uh, he's got some arguments, so we're going to address those, and then we're going to tackle him with the questions. Uh, cool. Right. It's time for Guess the Conspiracy. Guess the conspiracy. 
So, uh, Fraser, I've got to tell you, the guests are eight four down at the moment. Uh, so eight, 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 four, four down. eight, four. So it's eight, four to cats and I. So basically this is the part where cats and I have come up with a fake conspiracy. Uh, okay. we're going to try and trick you, uh, cause you've got to select which conspiracy theory you think is real in that it's the one that people believe. The other <laughs> okay. two have been completely fabricated right. by, by myself. And no going cats. to Snopes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So eight, four down. You've got, you've got a bit of pressure on you because if you lose this, it's nine, four. All right. Oof. Here we go. So, uh, number one. Uh, the circle was designed deliberately so that pi was the exact number that within it contained a secret code that referenced passages in the Bible, which some people consider to be satanic. That's that's conspiracy number one. Okay. <laughs> number two, elevation is a hoax and hills are not as high as we are told. That's conspiracy theory number two. Uh, and number three, Elephant tusks contain an ingredient which, when ingested, allows you to see the matrix we live in. Oh, come on. That's number three. Uh, so there you three. And you're, you're telling me that two of those are, are real conspiracy no, theories no. and one of them isn't? Two were fabricated by myself and cats. One is a oh, conspiracy okay. that people do believe in, and you have to pick the one which is real, a real conspiracy theory. Oh, the circle. You're going for the circle. So yeah. you, you think there's people that think that the circle... Um, is is demonic yeah okay yeah. all right final answer yeah that's it that's my that's my final answer oh, we've done it again if cat, oh, he's obviously not watching oh. uh, but cats we've done it again buddy we've done it again it's nine four we're getting better at it um so uh cats came up with that one actually the circle one um i came up with the elephant tusk one the second one elevation Hill? is a hoax is a real conspiracy theory that people genuinely believed what? Yep. <laughs> but I... Honestly. Honestly. <sighs> that, that, I think the title of their video was Elevation is a Hoax. I think that was that hmm. the title. So, so yeah, there we go. Um, the other two were, were, were made up. We're getting good at so, making them up. Yeah, you really are. You, um, you could use this power for great evil. I know. Yeah, people keep saying, like, sooner or later, we're going to find one of these fake conspiracies out on YouTube, and, and we'll be like... Yeah. Damn it. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see your fake conspiracies finding real proponents out there. I know. I know. No, yeah. Whoever's listening, don't do it. Yeah. Don't. It's no, no. Uh, ele- sadness. Yeah. Elephant tusks are, there's nothing in, in them that are bad. And also yeah. uh, the circle is, is, is a circle. You yeah. know, pies. If you, funnily enough, tomorrow, uh, when this comes out, it will be gone tomorrow. But on Tuesday, I've got a guy who I'm, who I'm looking at who's trying to debunk pie. Hmm. As in the number pi, so it's it's quite, quite, quite clever. Well, so hold on a second. So if he makes the claim that there's in any way some kind of de- demonism involved, satanic connection to pi, then you need to return my. Uh, uh, that's fair. Win. If he does, if okay. he says that, I will return the point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will. But uh, uh, yeah, you'll be waiting a while. <laughs> Anyway, Fraser, thanks thanks so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure, uh, pleasure chatting with you. Um, where can we find you? We can find you on um, you're, you're on Twitter, Universe, aren't you? Yeah, Universe yeah. Today on, on all the things. Um, I think the thing that I'm most proud of is the weekly email newsletter that I write. It's yes. like a magazine that goes out every Friday containing... 20 to 30 interesting stories that I'm keeping my eye on with Universe Today and 
like if there was like if if all sources of news were stripped away from you, you could rely on this one thing. So if you go to universetoday.com slash newsletter, you can sign up for that. And it's free, no ads. I write it by hand every week. Perfect. It's a monster. Good stuff. Yeah, we'll we'll get all the links for that in the in the description as well. Uh thank you very much. Next week uh we have got uh, Emma Kennedy on who's a coral reef scientist and we're going to chat with her about climate change and stuff like that. So it should be fun. Uh but for now we're done. Thank you very much and see you soon. 